Values are important. They reflect what we care about, what we're made of, and who we are. But what can happen when a church fully owns a set of shared values at their core? What can that mean for their sense of community and their purpose in the world? We invite you to take a deep dive with us into our core values of stewardship, ownership, simplicity, and hospitality. These are our four cores. Um, we've been in this series and this discussion of our four core values. And um, although we have had those values f- from the very beginning of the story of Element, we wanted to take a fresh look at those values, especially in light of where we are now, where, where we've come to, how we've grown, what we've learned, what, we, what we've experienced. And I feel like we're able to do that. We're able to take each of those values and turn that gem just a little bit and see those things in a little bit of a new light in a, a deeper and truer way. So as we have done before, after certain series, um, we have um, owners, that's you all, um, we have some owners come up and share their reflections on that series because it's important to process this stuff, right? It's, we're not, we don't just come up here to talk and then that sounded pretty good and then we go home, right? I know a lot of house churches um, sometimes chew on sermon series together, work through sermon series together and process them. And sometimes we like to do that here. So today you're going to hear from several owners as they share their processing, their reflections on these core values now in our 12th year. Yeah, we're about to turn 12. Um, that's awesome. So um, Bobby is going to uh, share with us first. He's already on stage, but we're still going to welcome him to the stage. Well, uh, it's probably my 12th time hearing the um, Core Values series. And, you know, there's some times when you come and you sit in a chair and you're like, ah, oh, I already know this start thinking about what you're going to do the rest of the week or, you know, for me, how I messed up on a song or whatever else it's going to be. And, and this two weeks ago when I was, we were all gathered here for the first time and Brett was speaking on hospitality. Uh, there was this very real moment. I was over here in the warehouse and he was sharing about the good Samaritan and how a neighbor isn't always we don't get to choose who our neighbor is, right? Our neighbor is who it ever happens to be at that moment, not because they think like you or look like you or worship like you or agree with you or vote with you or, you know, same socioeconomical status or same personal hygiene or whatever it could be. The neighbor is whoever is there at the moment. And it was wild because like in this whole, you know, virus stuff and political stuff that's going on, like there's been a lot of like, I've had a lot of anger, you know what I mean? Or a lot of frustration and, um, my wife and I, we, we take a walk every night with our twin sons and, um, and you know, the first half of the walk ends up being, you know, talking about all the things that are going on in the week. And the last half I start fomenting at the mouth about all the things I'm frustrated about or can't control or can't fix or feel however I feel. And, and I've noticed in my heart, like a, uh, separation or maybe offense is the better word for people that I find aren't ascribing to the same 
line of thought that I am, which is completely arrogant and completely wrong, right? But when you're in it, when you're in your, when you're wound or when you're in your, whatever it is, your unsettledness, that tends to happen. And when Brett was talking about hospitality, like I felt this massive conviction, like in the way in which I perceive or like I pray for people or the way I picture them in my mind, like the way in which I, I hope or don't hope or, or wish or don't wish or think about or don't think about them. Like it was this pretty huge moment for me and I left with a lot to chew on. And that night we were walking and I was telling Katie about, um, you know, just what I had been wrestling with and just, you know, kind of that conviction and the challenge that I feel like God was, was putting on me. And what was, I think, most beautiful about it to me was we can approach things that we know with this familiarity that often leads us nowhere, right? We can, I've heard this Bible verse 10,000 times. I know it. So I don't have to chew on it anymore. Or I've heard this story a bajillion times. I know it. I can do the felt story if you'd like for me to, for the kids, but like, I don't have to be impacted by it. But when we, if we allow, not when, but if we allow ourselves the opportunity to, um, I don't know, hear it fresh or hear it from where we are, right? Like, I don't know if I've ever been in this frustrated, angry, like quarantine place before, you know what I mean? And so hearing the, the core value of hospitality through the lens of a Samaritan, through the ears of a man in quarantine, like uh, God had opportunity to, to really do something beautiful. So I just wanted to, to share that. Hopefully that connects and resonates with you too. So. Thank you, Bobby. In between speakers, we're going to read um, a couple of the scriptures that we've used during this series to remind ourselves they're the scriptures that we use from the very beginning um, as part of our core values. So I'm going to read from John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I have to welcome Aaron to the stage because I'll take my microphone back. Please welcome Aaron to the stage. For the past several years in January, uh, instead of a resolution, I choose a word to base my focus on for like the upcoming year. And the word I chose for this last Uh, for this year of 2020 was the word simple. Uh, The reason being was that my schedule changed at the beginning of last school year, um, the fall of 2019, when I went from overseeing just grow into you full-time to uh, grow into you and teaching both full-time. So the complications uh, to my relationships, my quality of life, my personal health, my emotional well-being, my excellence in my work, were all like overwhelming and it seemed anything but simple. The false circumstances did not relent either because as I was digging our family out of the debts that we chose to incur in order to be faithful to God and to participate in the callings that he put on our lives, I also broke my elbow, had a major complication with my teaching certification which kept me out of the classroom for weeks just as I was adjusting to being there. 
uh, was dealing with major alterations in family relations, and my father-in-law suddenly had to have heart surgery. So then on the flip side of the school year, all of the chaos that we all have been experiencing descended, and here is the part that is of God in all of that. When listening to the message on simplicity, I realized that I have experienced more simplicity in all of the craziness of the past year than I have had in many years prior. Because as we learned in that message, simple is not always easy, and simple is not always small. For the last year, I didn't have a small amount of work uh, to do or a small amount of items on my schedule. But I also didn't have room for anything that wasn't focused on the calling of my life. Impacting kids in a way that leaves them better than I found them is what God asked me to do, and I was doing that around the clock. I got to do that in a classroom for hours a day. Then I got to leave there and do that for aged out teens. Then I got to go home and do that for my children. It hasn't been a small year of responsibility, but it has been a simple, missionally minded year. This year I was not, uh, this year was not also easy. It, I could go into a lot of ways that this year cost me, and I could weep about all those costs for hours if I really sat in the vulnerability and the middle of the impact and the length of time and um, the toll. But as our final message in this series so beautifully connected, the open hands of stewardship of all these roles and responsibilities was the product of the ownership I took when I chose this path this last year. This series put me square in the middle of one of the, my favorite things, which is God in retrospect. So looking back over the year, I can see that God was with me. I can see that he guided me through all of the circumstances. I can see how I came out on the other side tired, but a good tired. I can see how he protected me and gave me what I needed when I needed it, like a quarantine. I can see how I was steward he how I was stewarding um, many hearts for such a time as this that were only mine to steward temporarily. I can see how choosing my choices is power and also reflecting Jesus in me. I can see how he used it all to keep me looking up so I wasn't looking in or out without him on accident. I can see how I am left better from one of the most challenging years of my life. It is funny how something that didn't seem simple at the onset or in the midst of it looks really simple in the God in Retrospect rearview mirror. I am grateful for this series to see our core values as a church in a different way and also how it revealed so much beautiful simplicity in my complicated life. Thank you, Erin. From Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. 
Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. All right, please welcome Miss Teresa. You can use that. Okay. I've never been up here, so it's a little nerve-wracking. Um, so I'm going to read mine because I don't want to mess up. Um, I love that we did this series on our four cores because it's a great reminder of what truly is important in life, especially right now. Not to mention, it confirms why I love being an owner here at Element. So the funny thing is, when Benjamin first asked me to speak on one of the cores, I immediately thought I would share about simplicity. Because I've learned over the last few months that God does not want me to be so busy. He needs me to just love, love him, love my family, love others, and love like Jesus. But then last week, during his message on ownership, I felt God telling me to share another story. So my hope is to share two short stories with you and maybe one of them you can relate to. So the first story is about the recent decision I made to leave the school I had been teaching at for 18 years. Yes, 18 years I've been at the same school and those of you that know me well, I do not seek change. So, I always prayed to God every time I was offered an opportunity to switch schools or switch positions, and he always told me to stay where I was, but not this time. Now I will be a teacher at a school less than a half a mile from my house where my two girls attend. God reassured me that yes, this was not an easy decision, but it was the right one. When Benjamin spoke about simplicity and challenged us to examine where have things become complicated, God validated my decision even more because teaching at this new school would make my mornings very simple, afternoons even more so, and I truly feel this will free up space for me to spend extra time with my girls, my family, and allow me to show love to a different group of children and staff. I was rereading John 15, 9 through 14, and verse 11 spoke to me when Jesus said, I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. So this goes to my next story. Um, and it started about four years ago, um, but God planted the seed even years before that. So last week we learned the connection between stewardship and ownership, and this really hit home to me because four years ago I was sitting in these chairs right here at Element when Scott, the director of Royal Family Kids Camp, was on stage asking for camp counselors to serve abused, neglected, and abandoned children. Saying yes took courage, but I truly felt serving as a camp counselor to foster kids that summer was what God wanted me to do. Although it was hard, that first year really built my faith. 
the next summer was even harder because my husband decided to donate his kidney to his father, and I didn't want to leave my family at that time. But I felt the call to be the light for these kids again. I know trusting God can be costly, require sacrifice, and is not always easy. Last year was a whole new mission and level of risk for me because I went out of my comfort zone to serve at the teen camp too. Element really owned this mission to be the church for those foster teens, and it changed my life, and I can tell you so many more stories from last summer. This year, serving at camp will look different because of this pandemic, but I know what will be the same. These kids will feel the love of Jesus. I want to leave you with something that really has changed my thinking just this past week. Some of you might have watched the virtual benefit dinner last Friday for Tampa Kids Camp, but I wanted to share with those of you that missed it. Lauren Smith was the guest speaker, and she said to remember, God's writing the story. He's the author. Our job is to be faithful. We just need to fulfill the lines of our character, and God's job is the outcome. He's writing the final chapters of each story. So what's your story? Thank you, guys. I'm going to read this prophecy from Isaiah 42, and if you guys were here last week, you'll remember that Benjamin read it to us in its original form, which is a prophecy about Jesus uh, coming to the world. But then he read it in a, in a edited form because he was inviting us to own not only uh, our assignment to be the church, as we say it on our, on our wall, but he was inviting us to own the reality that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, and that his assignment here on this earth is our assignment. And so this prophecy and blessing for Jesus is also for us. So I'm going to read it with those words in Isaiah 42. Take a good look at my servants. I'm backing them to the hilt. They're the ones I chose, and I couldn't be more pleased with them. I've bathed them with my spirit, my life. They'll take ownership in the work of setting everything right among the nations. They won't call attention to what they do with loud speeches or gaudy parades. They won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt, and they won't disregard the small and insignificant, but they'll steadily and firmly set things right. They won't tire out and quit. They won't be stopped until they fully participated in finishing his work to set things right on earth. And please welcome Shayna to the stage. Good morning. So these last few months have definitely been a lesson in just the con overall concept of simplicity, right? Like, I will see that, so as a school administrator, as we're trying to help families even, like, figure out they're inundated right? Uh, what website do I go to for that? And why my kid says they've never seen it before, right? I mean, just all this stuff, it's everywhere. And in that moment, you have, that's what you do. You sit with the family and you go, hang on, let's just go back. What's the most important thing, right? This was, part, this was what made it really hard for my elective teachers, right? Because at the end of the day, the, the core subjects, and that's what we call them, the core subjects, had to take precedence. And so um, those elective teachers were feeling devalued. And I, I get it. This was tough, this whole thing has been 
tough for families, for kids, for parents, everybody. And I think that all of us at some time in this time have gone, hang on, let me just get back to what's the most important, what's the most basic. So for this reason, and I know we've had this planned for a while, but what like perfect timing to do it in the middle of when this is our life right now. We have got to go back to what's the most simple. I had to learn hospitality over these last couple months in a whole new way as I had a house of seven and four animals. And I hate domesticity with every part of my being. I do not clean or cook in any way other than angry while I do it. Like, I hate it. So, and I normally have somebody that will come do like the bathrooms and the floors and the stuff that I just can't have time for, but there was no way I could justify I didn't have time now, right? Like, I'm here, I should do it myself. So like this, this, this whole thing of hospitality, and I will tell you, I am not still yet a happy cook in any way, but I have found some joy in being able to serve the people that I'm with. My sister and her daughters have uh, lived with me for seven weeks, and you know, they were in a, a, a traumatic situation for themselves, and so how do I be what I need to be for them, and at the same time, not let my kids, you know, falter, because in my life, seizures are still going to happen. Autism is still real, right? I can't put those in a back burner while I help the little ones, <laughs> the new little ones. So, like, I feel like I had this huge lesson in hospitality, to which I am trying to remember, so that when I do get back to going to restaurants, like I prefer, um, I will remember and have so much more grace for those people that, that are hospitable to me. I think that last week's message of ownership and stewardship was really, really valuable. And if you didn't get to listen or, or attend, please make sure you listen. They did a great job of helping us figure out the ties and how we can get those two confused sometimes and kind of knowing what is the difference. So that kind of leads me to, to last week when uh, this message was being given, I was sitting in a hotel room over by the airport because I had decided as a professional compartmentalizer that I needed to take care of some of the things I had been compartmentalizing for a while. So this is the way I think of it. I think I have all these boxes, so when I'm dealing with something and I'm like, nope, 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 gotta move on, I'm just gonna put it in a box, and later I'm gonna get to that, right? And so what happens is if you don't ever later get to that, right? Have you ever opened the door to the closet and like everything falls at you or the, right? This is what happens, and I don't have a kind of life where I, too many people need me for everything to just come falling down, right? So I feel like this is my mental health, this was good for me. So I sat for four days in a hotel room in Tampa, away from everybody, and I, my goal was to pull down like a box at a time and just see what I could get through and what I could pour through. So as I'm opening these boxes, of course, all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, nope, not that box. We'll do a different one. But I will say, like, the way that I even started, because I'm a doer and a bit, I'm a busy person, to just sit in a hotel room was really annoying. Um, and the pool was closed. What the? I mean, it was just, ugh. So I'm sitting there, and I said, okay, here's what I do. I should probably go back to what I believe is my core, Right? And so I started with an, uh, an Enneagram study. I know we're all on the Enneagram train right now, but so going through that, what makes me who I am? Why do I have problems with that sometimes? Just like, right, just all the boxes. And so one of the things I discovered that it makes it so hard for me is when I can, I feel like I can narrow down my things that are my cores, but those have changed over the years, right? Like something that is so much my heartbeat right now, and I would say as a core, 
wasn't 20 years ago. And so what happens when my things that I believe is my core or my cores conflict with someone else's core? So what happens when someone's core belief just jams my core belief in the throat? And that's what I'm seeing in society right now, which overwhelms me in so many places, right? And I actually experienced something this summer where something, or during the summer where I was so ready to go and it is a core belief of mine that this is a good thing and I want to be a part of it. And then I was told that because someone's core belief butts up against mine, I can no longer be a part of it. Those are hard. Those are hard. And so I feel like more than anything, what I've gotten out of this is asking God to be a part of all of it. Um, at the end of my time there, the day I was supposed to be packing up, and um, I said, here's the thing, God. I just feel like I need like a, and I just, this term came to me. I was thinking of my cell phone because I had missed it for a few days, but um, like a factory reset. Do you know how when your phone's doing stupid, weird, funky things and you have to Google how to do it, but your phone's doing weird, funky things, so you have to find another device to Google how to do it? And we've all been there. This is the everyone's story. And so you're like, hold this button and this button and push this one with your toe, and then the whole thing will reboot. Well, when it does that, it goes back to its factory reset. And I'm, I'm crying and I'm praying and my eyes are closed and I'm thinking, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back so far that all the things you've taught me are gone, you know? And God says, I know exactly what your factory reset is supposed to be. And, and he showed me this vision. I, mean, I know I'm a weirdo, but I, I see God in pictures. So he sh shows me this vision of the cell phone coming back. And instead of getting the reboot and all the little green DOS looking text, all I got was a highly pixelated, I love you, and all red on that black screen. And I feel like if that is the only core that I can hang on to, and I'm going to be okay if your core and my core are different as long as we rest in that place of love. Then we can still sit at the same table six feet away, obviously. Um, but we can still come together, have community, have different core beliefs, and love people and love God. And that's okay. So that was the biggest part that I got out of my, my time of thinking about our cores. The band can come up. I know we're going to finish out um, our morning together. I will say that I have deeply missed <laughs> seeing people's faces not on the other side of the computer. Um, and I know this is good for my heart and hopefully it is good for yours as well this morning. Thank you, Shana, and all of you who shared. And I know we have, you know, dozens and dozens more stories and reflections that we could get into and I encourage you to, to do that. I encourage you to, to talk about that in house church or um, at home um, with your family and friends. Um, <laughs> these core values are like everything else. They're just the means, right? They're just the vehicle. They're not, we don't worship these things. We don't, you know, look to them to tell us how to do this, how to do church or how to do, how to be a follower of Christ. Um, but what they do is they help us focus together on the way that we see what a, what, a, what a church can look like, on the way that we see what following Jesus together can look like. And Element, as you, as you guys lean into these values over the years, um, you do more than that. You do more than lean into them. You, what, 
we always say, I know I say the word a lot, you embody these values. And what, what we mean when we say that is that you actually choose to live them out, right? You actually let these things, which are reflections of the Jesus way, right, and the gospel, you actually let those things change the way that your mind works. You let those things change the way that your heart works and the, your heart feels. You let those things change your behaviors and change your choices and what you, how you choose to spend your time and, and how you choose to pour out and how you choose to rest, how you choose to own and be hospitable and keep the main thing, the main thing of loving God and loving people like Jesus loves them and the way that you choose to leave things better. It is more than words and more than posters and more than website. And it's even more than believing those things when you guys, week in and week out, live them out, flesh them out. That's what Christian spirituality is. That's what the way of Jesus is. Is that right? Incarnating it, right? Fleshing it out. And you do that element. And we, <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing to see. Um, and, uh, you know, a few years ago, I don't know if you know this, but we, we took another look at this, at these values and, and certain things, just to see, is this still where we are? And we came out of those discussions like, yep, is exactly where we are. It's exactly what we're still called to, how we're still called to do church and be the church together. And, but, but not only just stay with those values, but it was a, we're going deeper into those values. And that's what we've done together. Um, so thank you for journeying with us as a church family. Um, and we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to keep going, um, holding those values dear, not clinging to them, but um, holding them dear and allowing them to inform the way that we are the church together.